It's like a little hot dog joint that we used to drive by. Kyle, you want to do the intro, dude? I don't even know what I'm doing, bro. Like you said, off the cuff, I just came in. You are listening to the Singleton Noise Podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. Singleton Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their new line of Pro Studio headphones, as well as the A131 and A133 large diaphragm studio condenser microphones at audixusa.com. Alan and Heath has asked us to read this. Food for thought. Is the lyric, I wish I could break free, back to where I'm supposed to be, acknowledgement of the existence of alternative universes? How else could we possibly be anywhere but where we are in fact supposed to be? Welcome back to the Signal and Noise podcast on ProSound Web. A, uh, our show is a member of the ProSound Web podcast network. Uh, actually, I think we're like, we're like what, Kyle? The, we're like the initiating member of the ProSound Web podcast No, because there was the DC guy was doing those little uh, things, little Steve? blurb. Yeah, Steve DC was doing those. Like, yeah, but, there, but, but we didn't have a podcast network. No, 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 no. Until Chris decided to start. We one, weren't so. even friends. We weren't even like, cool right. with any of those guys. That's right. And I still, I still really hate Steve. Uh, <laughs> that Steve's cool. We gotta get Steve on the show. Yes, that would be cool. He was the so, first, right? Though he was the first like guy that he, was doing he, the thing. Yeah, he has he has a great show, DC Sound Up. He has a YouTube channel. He does some really cool stuff on there. He does do like uh, some weekly news updates and stuff for Pro Sound Web. So yeah, definitely check out what he's doing. You got the Church Sound Podcast with Samantha Potter. You've Samantha. got the uh, Live Sound Boot Camp Podcast with our friend Ryan, Ryan. John. Yep. Uh, so there's a lot of good stuff going on. I, I, I'm not gonna lie; I have trouble keeping up with it. You've been um, you've been busy. You've been busy. Uh, <laughs> are you asking or telling? <laughs> well, I mean, obviously we text every day, so I kind of know what you're yeah, doing. Buddy. But yeah, yeah, I've been busy. Uh, how how have you been? Things are happening now, I guess. Uh, That's good. I'm ready. So make, I'm ready. Some moving and some shaking. Yeah, I just want Kemper to go back to school already. Oh, yeah. You got the sleeves off. You're ready to rock. Yeah, no sleeves. It's a, two weeks in a row, no sleeves. Two weeks in a row. So what are we doing tonight? What do we have tonight, Michael? Tonight we, I, you know what? We're I was missing today, Chris. I, we're missing Chris. Chris is not feeling well, um, so we miss him. I've, I've, I've hired a fake Chris uh, for the for the show. He has more hair than than Chris, um, and I don't know if he's going to bring the appropriate bass voice, uh, you know, kind of essence that that Chris Leonard has. Um, joining us from Oklahoma. My friend Josh Boatman. Josh, welcome to the Signal. Well, thank podcast. you for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's yeah. a lot of Oklahoma out there. Not definitely not. Yeah, I'm not feeling the the Chris Leonard kind of resonance though. So just <laughs> see if you can work on that throughout the All rest right. of the. Okay. Uh, so I was thinking today that you're gonna like this a lot, Kyle, because it's really interesting. Um, both fake Chris. Uh, also known as Josh for this episode, and our guest for this episode are people who both uh, work in live sound and they're pilots. They fly planes, and <laughs> I think that's really cool. Um, and we <laughs> so we're gonna just we're gonna just get into that and see what happens. Um, so our guest this episode is actually a dude that I've kind of been chatting with for like years now on on like various forums and stuff, and we're actually now uh, going to talk to him face to face tonight or virtually face to face, I suppose. Um, he's from Las Vegas, Nevada. He has lived all over the country. He's a flight instructor uh, for a flight school in Vegas, and when he's not flying, he's mixing sound. 
Uh, he took some recording classes in college, found himself doing live sound. Um, he's a freelance engineer right now. He is uh, on a show on the Strip on, uh, in Vegas as a modern engineer. We're going to talk all about that. Uh, please welcome to the show, Mr. Nayo Nobumoto. Yay. Hello. Great to be here. Hey, Thanks, guys. Yeah. So I remember like a couple years ago, there was some discussion on like Reddit or something, and you were like, hey, man, call me if you're ever out in Vegas because... I'll take you up in a plane. And I was like, yeah. yo, that's cool. I remember like I kept telling all my friends, I'm like, dude, this guy, when I go to Vegas, this guy's going to take me on a plane. I've got no mad care. plane issues. I always have, man. I have. So when I lived in Vegas, glad we didn't meet. Sorry we had to do it here, but take Michael up, take anyone else up. You guys don't take me up. A little You're bit not, of turbulence. You don't like to fly, Kyle? Man, I have never liked to fly, and I've been on a plane so much. Like Turbulence just bothers me, and trust me, like I even did a thing for... um the guys over at the clinic and they kind of quoted it. I but, saw that. Yeah. But turbulence yeah. used to drive me nuts. And the bigger the plane, the easier it was to take it. You know what I mean? Like oh, I yeah. couldn't imagine flying like some of the stuff that you guys, I want, I did. That's your fucking hobby. You guys. Are, <laughs> <laughs> what do I do? What, what's my fucking hobby? Like that is awesome. Holy shit. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's, it's a really unique thing to do. Um, there's, very very little that compares to it um i kind of want to say pretty much anything nautical is one of one of a kind but particularly being in the air i mean we're not built to do that we figured yeah. out how to do it and make it safe so i think that's um probably one of the uh coolest things i think we've done is uh as human beings collectively <laughs> and and you guys are uh, both younger than i so when did you both josh and now how when did the, did you get your pilot's license what age uh so i actually just started flying last year in the pandemic and the shutdown there wasn't really work there wasn't really entertainment stuff going on and flying's always something Oof. i've loved and something i wanted to do so it was uh something i pursued so i've only been flying for a little over a year now probably Still, man, holy cow! Do you know how many how many times I've ever flown a plane? Or Michael? Michael, how many? <laughs> how many times I've flown a plane? I've flown zero planes. Yeah, zero planes. Uh, that's I've awesome. In a couple, a handful. Uh, that's funny. I uh, I started back in 2016. Uh, I moved from Alabama back to Vegas. I was kind of moving around after I turned 18. You know, just, uh, wandering, I guess, trying to find my way. Um, and, uh, I just kind of decided, I think I want to fly. It's something I like doing. I kind of like seeing and was always interested in as a kid. So, uh, went to college, uh, decided to use the excess of student loans that I had, uh, towards aviation and <laughs> came out with not only a degree, but flight instructing certificate. So <laughs> yeah. Good spending. Yeah, Holy awesome. cow. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I'm wondering if there's some sort of analogy to draw between like the sort of kind of thrill in the moment Zen experience of like a live mix uh, and and flying because you have to be very much kind of present. I would say in both, like you can't kind of like zone out and focus on something else if you're flying a plane, right? So uh, I asked my dad. So my dad's been flying with me a couple times. We've gone out for trips to lunch and stuff, and he's also been to shows that I've mixed. And I said, "Hey, would you rather?" be in a plane that I'm flying or at a show that I'm mixing. And he was quiet for an uncomfortable amount of time, which I didn't really take as a good thing. Um, no, but it's, I've found that there's a lot of similarities, especially because, I mean, aviation is 
a lot of moments of dull where you're up in cruise where you're sitting and just kind of monitoring everything that's going on and just enjoying the scenery and enjoying being up in the air followed by you know moments of heavy workload and you know sometimes sheer panic which is absolutely comparable to a live mix for me most of the time you know sometimes you kind of get into autopilot mode Mm -hmm. and things are going right and it works with the artist and sometimes you're like whoa what's going on we've got an issue here where where am i struggling and you got to figure it out and go yeah you you know this time's kind of like where uh I don't know. You look down for a couple seconds and suddenly you just hear audio. Not necessarily stop, but, you know, maybe the vocalist kind of steps away from the mic for a second mid-lyric and you're kind of like, wait, what? And you look up. That that panic right there, That that's c- comparable to kind of what happens in aviation. You know, you'll you'll fly along and just here and there, just things that kind of hit you is, oh, crap. <laughs> I was at a show recently and it was... Like one of those things where what was promised for power was not what was ended up being provided for power. Shocking. Um, and so it's <laughs> like, you know, I, I don't know what happened inside the building, like what sort of machinery they fired up, but there was some sort of dip that came along and literally everything shut off for about two and a half seconds. Oh, and no. it wasn't a long enough dropout that the console would like restart. So it was literally like hitting the mute button for two seconds and then it all came back. It was, so it was just long enough to make you shit your pants, basically. Um, and then you could and, hear the generator kick up a little bit. Yeah, but... and everything was fine. <laughs> and it, it was totally fine. But the whole rest of the show, I was like, what the fuck was that? You know, and the whole band was like, yeah, my inners are dropping out. I'm like, no, your inners are not dropping out. I go, the power shut off. So it was one of those, like, I don't know. That's kind of like, like a yeah. bird strike incident, I guess, where you're like, are we going to explode and die? Oh, no, oh, it's the- fine. Speaking of bird strikes, I've have, have you ever had one, Josh? Oh no! Okay. Um, <laughs> Luckily enough, never had so, my Sully moment. I I was doing some training down in Chino. I was working on my commercial pilot certificate, and I was coming to land with my instructor. And uh, Chino has a lot, I mean, pretty much any California airport is going to have a fair number of birds passing by, but Chino in particular has quite a few. So. I'm coming, coming into land, and next thing I do see this huge swarm of birds just flying right to left in front of me, and of course I couldn't really do anything about it at that point, so I, you know, hit the birds, oh. and <laughs> it looked like a bloodbath on the windscreen. It was really gross. What size? What size plane went into them? Uh, so it was a Mooney. So it's basically, if you've ever seen like a Cessna 172, it's slightly, actually, I want to say slightly smaller than one. <laughs> I, I'm wondering, with no, with zero knowledge of how planes work, um, if it's better to have like a prop hit the bird or like a like a turbine. Turbine, it's better? less bloody. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Or, I know, right? Or, what yeah. was that one? <laughs> the Indiana, uh, the uh, yeah, Indiana Jones. I, I think it was the second one, or no, first one. Yeah. So welcome everybody to the Signal to Blood podcast. <laughs> this is going exactly where I'm. I'm ready to launch my new one. Well, Kyle, you were in Vegas for quite a while. Yes. Did you ever do anything on the strip like he's doing? Uh, yeah. Me and the lady really like buffets a lot, so we'd eat a, <laughs> a ton of buffets. I, I loved uh, <laughs> Chinatown a whole lot, and we ate a lot of food there. What else? We loved going to People Watch on Fremont Street. Um, but you didn't. You didn't like do any like residencies, or we were mixing the same thing. Oh, I did. Well, no, but I did Dre's on the rooftop for a long time. Oh, cool. Oh, uh, with a company called The Wave. They're awesome. Uh, they always hooked me up. And then I did a bunch of stuff with Larry at HAS, and uh, dang, what was the other company? We did the D Outdoor Stage. So I kind of jumped around a bunch there. I, I, 
I love living in Vegas because you could actually say no to gigs when it got like that. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, no, I'm taking off this week or whatever. But like everyone that you work for out there, they, they, I don't know. They all took care of me. It was fun. Like some of the Dre's gigs were a little bit hairy. They'd start at like three, four o'clock in the morning and I have to wrangle RFs, but yeah, it was fun. But you got to wrangle stuff. That's your yeah. favorite. I, I, I mean, how do you find it out there? Do you like it? It's, uh, I kind of like you mentioned, I struggle with a lot of RF issues out here, but I mean, you got like 50,000 shows going on up <laughs> yeah. and down the strip every single day. You learn 24 fast. 7 more or less. Yeah. So, and don't get me wrong, I'm still learning. Um, I'm pretty inexperienced compared to probably most other people who've been on the show, but <laughs> it's kind of part of it. It's kind of, you know, trying to keep up. That's my goal. <laughs> so, you're doing a, I don't know what the proper term is. I don't know if it's called residency, but you're doing basically the same show, kind of carbon copy, cookie cutter, like just a bunch of times a week, right? Yep, every single night. Yep. So, is there a part where you're like zooming out, or are there like new challenges and stuff that comes up that you have to adapt to? I mean, kind of, where's your headspace at? Well, um, I want to say probably the most dynamic part of the show really ends up being the artists. I mean, really, with any monitoring job, that always tends to be the case. Night to night, our ears are kind of physical machines, if they will. So, you know, they, I guess muscles more so. Uh, they just night to night, you know, they, uh, they change. So kind of having to work with the artist to help her manage her expectations of what is going, what it's going to sound like night to night is kind of a struggle. But I mean, she's a great artist, great performer, uh, lovely personality but you know like with really any gig sometimes there's certain difficulties trying to uh i don't want to say difficulties challenges more so you know working with uh people so that's kind of the biggest struggle i guess i have sometimes is kind of uh just uh keeping the artist happy right on do you have a ton of mixes or just for the main artist uh i i have let's see i got I got one mix for every member of the band. Every, everyone is on ears. Uh, three are wireless, and then the other two are hardwired, drummer and bassist. Um, so, yeah, that's really all I've got mix-wise. It's not not too bad. If Chris were here, uh, real Chris, not fake Chris, uh, he would he would Damn, he I'm loves gonna... to talk about the psychology aspect of, of monitors and, and kind of, you know, something that I've run into is, like, it, you know, literally nothing has changed in your mix from yesterday, but you're not comfortable mm -hmm. tonight. So, like, why aren't you comfortable? You know, what's going on? Are you just in a different headspace? Is it, I mean, it can be, oh, well, she didn't put her in-ear in quite the same way, and it's kind of a different seal tonight, or, you know, right. she's tired, it's hot out. You know, it could, I mean, that's, that's to me is, is, All I find that to be challenging. Well, I find it to be challenging, because if it's like, well, you know, the left side of the PA just shut off, like, I have some pretty good objective kind of bullet points in my head about where I'm going to go to start looking to solve that problem and I kind of know mm -hmm. what what it might be but if it's just like I can tell this person is not comfortable uh that could be a lot of different things so that has been a challenge for me to like try to sort through um and it's different with every artist I, I have I have some artists who will say exactly what they want changed in their mix um can you take the lead guitar down by 2 dB? Like, you got it. Or, hey, can you put a you know, small cut here at 400 hertz on, on that vocal? Yep, you got it. And sometimes right. you're just like, I'm just not, you know, it doesn't doesn't feel good. Uh, and so, yeah, that that's something that, for me, the, the, the human element just adds this uncertainty that is very different than solving a lot of other problems that, you know, in other areas where stuff's not working out. 
So I have a lot of respect for that. It, it it's very psychological inherently. You know, it's like uh, I I, like, I kind of like that term, the psychology of in, uh, monitor engineering. You know, it, it's a lot of it is just, like I mentioned, managing expectations, but also uh, asking, hey, what's wrong? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of the things that I do here, she doesn't notice, but vice versa. A lot of the things that she hears, I don't really notice either. Uh, night to night, I mean, especially recently, recently we've had a lot of uh, substitute musicians in, so that's one thing that has a pretty major effect on the sound, because, oh, yeah. for instance, a bass is bass is a pretty major pillar of the mix and so if that changes suddenly you know you might have go from having a nice round full low end to being a little bit more mid sounding and then i kind of have to you know go go fix that up and add it back in but there's only so much i can do right or output levels off the bass might be a little bit hotter and then i got to make gain adjustments on my well actually i take the back trim adjustments uh, front of house has gain for the show so do you do one and then one show a night or multiple um, right now it's one show a night, so we typically run Thursday through Monday. Cool. So you do have a real steady run that just keeps on moving, huh? Yeah, yeah. It, it It's nice. There isn't too much that changes, but, um, you know, again, the human element. That's Is, what are you doing in terms of, like, you know, kind of the night-to-night checks and line checking and sound checking is the artist sound checking every night i mean what because i kind of get into a routine a lot of people are like ah screw it we'll just <laughs> see what happens so now, where does that fall? so this this artist is absolutely not like that uh she actually really prefers to if she could she would sound check every night uh luckily we have had the opportunity to do that more or less every single night but um as more shows are added to the rosters covid passes that's definitely going to turn into you know just straight line checks like hey you're getting signal good let's go um so I, i'm able to usually get a pretty decent sound check before the show awesome helpful with uh substitute mus musicians man oh yeah do you have a digital console so you can recall certain dudes uh yeah yeah so i i run an x32 for the show Sweet. um re really simple you know uh the production side wanted to kind of keep things on the lower cost and so they owned a few of them so i just kind of threw those in but i am trying to convince her to maybe get something a little bit higher end uh because i really th feel like it might help her situation because there's some channel count wise uh, i think we're running like what should be closer to 40 something channels we're having to kind of scale that back a little oh, bit oh yeah so might... you're right up against the yep Limit yeah. There. So you have some tracks going to stuff beside the. Oh, right on. Sweet. Yeah. So it's a full-on show. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a great show. Who does the cues? Like cue from song to song, or does it just run the show? Go and it just goes. So what? Uh, front of house runs the cues. Um, on the monitor end, I don't really have too much to cue. I just run it as if I would really any other rock show. Um, there are certain parts of the show where I need to move faders around to where she likes. It is mostly involving tracks because the, uh, I guess, however they bounce the tracks out of the Pro Tools, the levels kind of jump around quite a bit, so I have to manage that. But at this point, I have those down memorized pad, and I don't really need to actually cue anything at this point. So I kind of feel like I'm uh, almost a theater engineer in a way. <laughs> It is. A lot of theater goes into that, man. It's it's crazy how those shows run one right after another, man. Some people are doing two. So it it's just starting to open back up, right? Are you guys like at half oh, yeah. capacity or 
Um, so we... I'm not exactly sure what the guidance is on that right now. I think... There isn't any. (laughs) Bro, I'm in Missouri. Everyone was like, oh, we're going to have wash stations and everyone's going to still have to stay this. Dude, it's full-on Wild West. (laughs) It... I want to say it's like that here, especially if you walk out of the venue onto the Strip. I mean, if you looked at that back in March compared to now, it's... It's holy crap. I'm going to be down there for... The AES show in uh, October, I think, and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm on a really badass panel. First of all, let me just... All right, so okay. going to talk about Kid in a Candy Shop. We're going to go here for just a second. So I'm moderating a discussion about learning and education and professional exploration and audio, which is like right up my alley. Rob Scoville, oh, Dave Rat, Holy smokes. Grace Royce. Wow. No way. And Ryan John. Are you kidding me? Wow, like, incredible. I am so wow. excited about this. So anyway, I'm going to be out there for that. I'm really going to try to get over to the Rio and see Penn & Teller because they are my favorite yep. thing to do in Vegas. They're absolutely fantastic. I love um, Ka, I, man. Do you? Yeah. I haven't seen it. Ka's my favorite show on Strip. Josh, what's your favorite show on Strip? Man, I don't know. I've only done Vegas uh, once, I guess. Uh, but when I was there, John Fogarty was doing a residence oh. at... Uh, was it the Mirage? I don't know. But I went and saw John Fogarty with my dad, which was just awesome because he had his sons with him and brought him out and let him do their thing. And, you know, he he's not there for the money. He was just out making music and having fun. And I love the authenticity of that. I'm glad we have someone from Vegas on because I think a lot of my brothers and sisters out there got hard hit by everything shutting down. That, that town yeah. runs on... Uh, retail and service industry man like so yeah it it does i i remember the day i mean obviously it was in the news for probably a couple weeks before it hard hit here but um uh prior to COVID hitting i I think i think the venue is now closed unfortunately um but i worked at a venue called the bunkhouse saloon here yeah bunkhouse uh, yeah i i absolutely (laughs) love that venue um my friend zach used to work there too Zach. Ross. Ross. Mm. He was like one How of the first, that? a long time ago, it was before I left Vegas. Ah. He was still at the music group when I was working there. Mm. I l- well, I uh, I had a show that, I think it was March 13th, I had a show, um, and I walk up to the venue probably about an hour before I'm actually supposed to be there because I had nothing better to do, and I wanted to kind of try to make some small adjustments to my PAEQ because I didn't like it. They're running some, uh, I think, Meyer UPA boxes or something. Anyway. Um, yeah, I walk in, or sorry, I walk up to the door and there's like a big sign on it saying, hey, we're closed till further notice. So I text at my boss, Glenn, over there and he had no clue what was going on. It's kind of scary. Oh, no. From the ashes that will come. Yeah, now well, that venue's sur- survived probably about three closures now, so let's see if it can survive another. <laughs> Josh, are you back working shows yet? Yeah, yeah, I work. Yeah, he's uh, been sending pictures. He's been posting pictures of some. I don't know. Looks like some pretty big stuff, man. Yeah, uh, we're doing. Um, you know, fortunately, being in a, a cheaper market, there's a lot of shows that are taking advantage of our facilities for rehearsals. Uh, yeah, on tours and stuff getting rebooted. So, I've been spending the past few days. Uh, on some rehearsals and uh yeah uh since i moved out here i'm kind of 
moved into a administrative role a little bit more. So I'm uh, kind of depending on the day, usually either a uh, call steward or a COVID compliance officer, which is a oh. fun new job where you get to sit around and watch other people work all day. Um, but uh, I'm either doing that or I'm uh, A2ing stuff that we have around our local symphony and opera and ballet. They've been doing all sorts of streamed and recorded performances. So it's been kind of a, a nice change of pace. Outdoor stuff okay. back? Uh, yeah, we've done a, a mix of outdoor and indoor. Uh, the symphony stuff especially, they like being on the yeah. stage with the orchestra shell and microphones and stuff. But they did a couple of shows uh, outside as well. We did an outdoor symphony concert and an outdoor opera, which was a first for me. Dude, Pe- people I'm working don't... on an outdoor opera right now. Boy, let me tell you, the thing I'm most kind of worried about is orchestra outside, no shell, no nothing. Like, <laughs> you know, that's. I was talking to our, our team today and... I was just like, this is not going to sound like John Williams, you know, live pops or whatever. It's just not, you know, you're just, that just doesn't happen. On that note. Uh, yeah. And I go, I mean, we're going to, you're going to, we're going to get it all in there, but I go, it's just not going to be, you know, this all encompassing bum rumbling orchestra. I had Daniel Lumberg was kind enough to call me up and give me some of his advice on how to, how to do that. But I think, I think kind of managing my own expectations is, is going to be part of this as well. So people don't need um, to sleep on Tulsa either. That place is the jam, man. Yeah, it's I, really kicking. I, I, out of Oak City and Tulsa, like I'd rather do shows in Tulsa. It seems like the people are more like. Fr- I don't know. I dig it. Cool Can we little scene writing. I, I was gonna I say it. you're gonna generate some <laughs> some nasty emails here. Kyle. Evidence. <laughs> Chris gets all the nasty emails. He tells all those dirty stories. <laughs> so can I uh, can I throw out a question as fake yeah. Chris? Yeah, man. So uh, going Chris. back to kind of the the psychology of monitors and stuff uh nio for you i'm I'm not a flight instructor myself but i <laughs> have worked with a flight instructor a lot i see mm-hmm. a lot of similarities between artists thinking that things have changed but not really understanding it on a technical level to like yeah pre-private students that may be able to fly a maneuver or an approach perfectly one day and then like nothing changes like the weather weather may be better and they just bomb the next day is there any like similarities between you know people that don't know how to fly airplanes trying to fly airplanes and people performers there there is there there's a big correlation um on on a day-to-day basis, I mean, there's very minute things in our life uh, that change day-to-day. Like, it could be just even a slight mood kind of thing. It could be the fact that maybe you slept 20 minutes less than you did the previous night that could affect your mental capacity and perform ability to perform either as an artist or as a pilot. Um, especially when you're learning the stuff, you know, um, and that, that's kind of a challenge a lot of student pilots face in general too, is, I mean, they're, they're, they're dealing with a lot of stimuli, right? They have to constantly react and not only do they have to react, but they also have to kind of anticipate what's coming next in the same light a musician, at least, I don't know. I, I, I play some instruments. I've never played in a band or anything but i would imagine that as a musician you also have to react to what is being played bandwise and also anticipate what's coming next even if you know the song especially in a live environment right and you're also equally dealing with uh, a lot of stimuli there as well so there, there's a lot of crossover between the two i'd actually ar- make the argument that they're quite similar to each other 
Sounds like this, it. Are you this chill when you're teaching? Because I remember yes. I, when I was 16, I had a I had a, a driving instructor. You could literally be like about to careen he, he off puts a cliff. The, the, yeah, the hands of like, death um, in his hands every yeah, day. Yeah, man. And she would just be like, <laughs> to people who hey, don't know how to fly. Like he's the only go. one in the in the thing that knows how to fly. It's like super zen, dude. I would I I would feel very relaxed oh, uh, with you teaching me stuff. I would <laughs> I would vomit, pass out, scream. Yeah, Kyle would be losing his mind. Oh, <laughs> I I'm gonna be real with you, actually. Like I uh um that, that maybe that's just a CFI thing, and I'm sure Josh can probably attest to this, but CFIs tend to just kind of be calm and cool, collected. Maybe it's just because I've faced near death so yeah, many times it just it doesn't is. bother me anymore but <laughs> i'm almost think, dead as it is i want to go naturally <laughs> well i think <laughs> if you start getting all riled up and you you get the person more agitated and more panicked that's probably going to end poorly for everybody oh, yeah so. just just imagine you're going up first time flying an airplane and your flight instructor is just like oh dear <laughs> that's not good uh-oh yeah you shouldn't have done that <laughs> i have one particular memory of when i was learning to fly i had a particularly ugly landing because i mean everybody has ugly landings it just happens as you're learning how to land and we it, it still happens to me by the way yeah so. about the third time we impacted the runway on this attempted landing uh the CFI I was flying with turned and looked at me and said, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. I was like, well, why didn't you do anything to like correct it or fix it? He was like, well, I wanted to, I wanted you to feel the failure and then you can know not wow. to do that next time. And I was like, why would you choose to put yourself through that? So that's why I'm not a flight instructor. Feel oh, there's the these things called laws of learning. That one's law of intensity. Just <laughs> let it happen and <laughs> let them learn. Intensity. Yeah. By, by the way, actually, um, if I can recommend this, it, it's actually even though it is aviation related, the FAA publishes a uh, 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 handbook called the Aviation Instructor's Handbook, right? I have learned more about people from that handbook than I ever have just interacting with people on a day-to-day -day -day basis. And what I mean by that is the psychology of how people work, right? Even though it's aviation related, it's still a great read if you're just trying to see people's defense mechanisms. I see the same stuff in artists all the time, trying to displace, you know, maybe an error that they're making onto the equipment or the monitor engineer or whatever else, right? Um, you, you, you learn a lot about people through this profession, um, but that handbook is a really good read. I, I mean, I would argue even as a monitor engineer or front of house engineer even, just kind of to dealing with people. I'm into it. I saw both Michael and I typing it in as immediately as you said it. So. <laughs> well, it's you know what it made me made me kind of laugh when he said that because Kyle, when you were mixing monitor, Carly Ray Jefferson, you said, "Don't you know who I am?" He <laughs> said to her, <laughs> "It's fun. I was having fun." <laughs> you don't know who I am, uh. <laughs> dude. Oh boy, it's just fun though. Mixing monitors is like. It's a people person's gig, you know, mm. like you have to be, you have to be able to. That's probably why I don't like it. No. When they were both explaining <laughs> how to like react and, and, and correct beforehand, like that's yeah. what you're doing at Modern World. I love it yeah. now. Like I, I mix front of house forever, but like going to Modern World sometimes is great. Like, okay. So when, when I lived in Vegas, I worked at the Silverton Casino at the Vale or whatever. And that was my normal monitor yeah. gig. And I got to mix some great bands back there. Like we had Eddie Money one night and insane like we had bobby brown like i got to mix monitors for all these people because most people carry their front of house guy 
So mm-hmm. it, it, it was fun to jump in on those gigs. I would have loved to done a show like you did because I've been over to like visit the audio people for so many shows and I never got to mix one. But the, when we talk about cues and we have these theater people in, there's all the same aspects that go into every Vegas show and production. And it, it's pretty amazing. Like they do it at every level, like mm. Ka and what's the water one? over uh it's on the tip of my tongue too i just it can't come to mind right now but i know what you're talking about but every level of like theater is represented in vegas it's so awesome like well that's i think that's the attraction to like the precision of we're gonna do this thing you know four nights a week for fucking five years and it's gonna be the same every night like which is what you see on broadway and like that that kind of, as Kevin would say, like, you know, within the limits of human sameness, um, there's a precision aspect there that I think is really appealing to me. And I've not gotten to work on something that has run that long. So that's why I'm really interested in that aspect. I of am it. too. Super, um, super interested. I think my question for everybody really is the opposite of that. So I'm walking up to mix monitors for an artist I've never worked with before. What's your starting point? If you don't get guidance from that person on what they want to hear, what do you do to start off in their mix? Uh, well, to try to figure that out, probably I'll I'll usually kind of, um, kind of start with the, you know, kind of getting my gain structures down first. Uh, with assuming I, you know, have a good input list when I, <laughs> when I start the show. Um. I guess even pre-show, what I really like to do is I like kind of setting up my layout. My layout is everything, right? If, if I can know where everything is before the show even starts, it allows me to get around quicker and figure out where problems are likely to start. I think my least favorite thing actually walking into this particular show was the fact that um, I actually started off as someone else's scene. I haven't Ooh. been able to build my scene, and there's a lot of resistance around them wanting to do that because there's the conception that you know it's this very fragile thing the way their mix is set up when i do see there could be improvement but again that comes down to psychologically trying to maneuver around perception of making changes you know anyway i guess slight tangent uh so where i like to start is set up my layout uh get the gain structures all set for uh the whole band and then from that point just kind of kind of just send stuff pretty evenly across the board and let them ask for changes from there until they're happy. Oh, dear. Where where did I leave off? That Vegas internet must be shaky out there. (laughs) Yeah, someone someone didn't put enough coins in. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, okay, so I'll break the the ice here. One of the weirdest things about living in Vegas is going into every store ever, and there's a slot machine in it. I'm talking Seven Elevens, mm-hmm. grocery stores, and there's always somebody playing. Like, bro, you live here. Don't play that. <laughs> no, you should know better, bro. Don't. Like, and it's the same dude all the time. And you're like, oh, I just getting milk, bro. Go home. It's like sitting there with his grocery list, like crossing yeah. off the stuff he doesn't need as he puts yeah. the coins in. Yeah. <laughs> same dude always at Seven Eleven, man. All right, Kyle. Yeah, you you walk thought, I forgot station. about this. What's what's the 
coolest thing you got within arm's reach, Kyle Turnside. Oh shit! So See, on on no, I did not. I have it right here, but <laughs> I was waiting for it. So dead dogs two yep, day, last, two weeks in a yep, row. Yep. There's my two dead dogs. Oh my god! That so for those who are listening at home, that is a photograph of Kyle's dogs. Yeah, in a, a very bl- nice blue frame. Brindle boxer and a white boxer. Very dead. nice. What are their names? Uh, Miss New and Elliot. I remember Miss New. She is cool. Yeah, 16 years old. Both those boxers died wow, out. That's incredible. Okay, arm's reach. Wow. Who's first? Josh? Nio. Nio. Nio um, first. Before his internet breaks again. I have an oh, alien mask. Yes. Alien mask. Kyle <laughs> yes. that mask. Stand yeah. right. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Win. <laughs> A gray, even. Why did, wait, why do you have that? <laughs> he lives in Vegas. Um, you got to have one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I knew this part was coming, so I just yeah. kind of planned for it. I don't have anything cool in my house, if I'm being completely honest with you. Wait, so. did you, didn't you just buy a console, though? <laughs> I I did. I'm still waiting for it. Oh, it hasn't been delivered uh, yet. Okay. Because yeah. that's mine. My I, I have my console set up. Uh, my Avances is right here because I'm working on programming a show right now. So my Avances I am so I excited reach. to get it. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about that, but first, Josh, we'll Well, so I got really excited for a minute because I thought I had a really good one because I looked down and there's an electrical connector right next to my desk, and I thought it was one. So I uh, was doing a show one time, and they're like, hey, our spotlights aren't working. Is there any chance you could go take a look at them since you know stuff? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I went and looked at this spotlight, and I pulled the plug out of the wall, and it was a 15-amp plug on a large spotlight so somebody had swapped this plug to 15 amp and it had arced Ouch. in the wall and it just absolutely annihilated the plug and yeah, i saved that plug and i still show it to people sometimes and i thought it was that plug and i got really excited but it's not that plug so it's well, it's just a boring normal not exploded electrical connector you'll have to upload the yeah i was gonna one. say can you put a picture That's up great. on our discord Absolutely. was that thing so hot was or did it explode <laughs> in your hand or well no so uh they actually had two of them up there and one oh, of them was still no. working but it was plugged How? into an extension cord and oh, the perfect. plug on the other side was welded to the extension cord and oh never God. came Oof. free again so i love electrical problems man it's some of my favorite <laughs> stuff i love some of the stuff i've seen people plug in Holy I took it smokes. to the building manager. I was like, do you know how close you came to a building fire? Like, Oh, yeah. So I, I used to work at this place that built Crate, Ampeg, and um, Audio Centron stuff, St. Louis Music, mm-hmm. before they left St. Louis. And uh, there was, like, a tester at the end of the cat line, and there was a high pot test, dude. I've seen people get, like, almost electrocuted. <laughs> and when I walk <laughs> into these venues and I see that stuff, like, I'm like, oh, no. Like, I have to start fixing everything because it's like, I don't want anyone to die like that ever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what I wish would go good. away? Those little those little ground lift adapt. Those are the no. most dangerous, you know, scary things. You can do your part by throwing those away every time you see yeah. them. There you go. But you don't keep like 10 of those in your gig bag? <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> They're those hot right kids. now. They're warm. Don't use, don't use those kids. They are not safe. <laughs> uh, really, really dangerous. Um, yeah. So, uh, okay, we all did arms like, okay, so I want to talk about the console. So, so you're a freelancer. So mm-hmm. typically freelancers don't buy $10,000 consoles. So like walk us through your decision behind that. Um, well, 
people like to own cars that are like really expensive. Yeah, <laughs> no, dude, um, that's my justification. I'm like, look, I don't have a motorcycle, right? <laughs> Just spend yeah. enough money to become a commercial pilot. I, I think the, yeah. the console you, cost is a drop you in the deserve water. it. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, my, my my perception of money is all types of screwed up actually because of this industry. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's only a hundred grand. You know? no, um, no, I mean honestly, I I, I wanted. I needed something that was like lightweight, scalable, but capable. Mm -hmm. So I started looking around and I mean, if I'm being completely honest, like looking at anything on the Avid side, it was just way too, sorry, any of the newer Avid stuff is just way too expensive. The older stuff is like way too heavy. I actually have a SC48 sitting in the other room, um, which I'm trying to get rid of at some point. <laughs> any buyers? Um... Yeah. <laughs> Give me a call. <laughs> um... But yeah, I just want, wanted something that was uh, scalable and flexible and um, sounded good, I think was up there on the list of priorities, modern and will resist uh, the test of time for probably the next five to 10 years. So it's a solid choice, man. I got to say, uh, you know, as a freelancer for me, like I was kind of in the sweet spot where like I was outgrowing the like the really really low like the X32s like I have an SQ5 but like there are some shows I'm looks like you know I just need more power I need a yeah. bigger footprint I need more faders or you know even something like um like automation I'm getting more and more complex things that I'm trying to do and and so you really want to go up a tier when you try to do more automation stuff and Vantas to me was like right in the sweet spot like it has like really really surprisingly powerful automation for the class that it's in um it's it's I, i'm i'm doing stuff in in you know seconds that would have taken me much much longer on on other consoles that, that i've worked on in the past and but i can still get it in my car by myself you know like channel it's, count it's in a, yeah uh 64 inputs 42 buses freely flex configurable which is another thing i like because you know it's oftentimes I'm like, I need a whole bunch of groups for this gig and I only need two oxes or I need a bunch of oxes for this gig and I don't need any groups. So the fact that I don't have like unused oxes that are sitting there, I can trade them in and get groups or I can get matrices out of them and basically build the desk to be laid out how I need it to be for whatever I'm doing. Are, like, are the subgroups like plus three or whatever? Are they... <laughs> you, you, always, you always ask that. I always um, gotta know, man. I love those things. <laughs> I love subgroups. I, I have to say, two years ago, I was like, I don't need to do the subgroups. I was all about, like, Jim Yak does this, all inputs straight to left, right, and he rocks it, and it's amazing. Yeah, and, like, I I just was never happy with the success I was having with that. And after listening to Pooch and Raybould go on and on about it, I was like, all right, let me try it. And I think for a while I couldn't because the act that I've been with the most has a ton of in-ears that I mix in front of house, so I just didn't have the buses available on the console that they were using where, you know, I couldn't mm. do a bunch of stereo subgroups also. But... Now that I've got, you know, kind of the console that can handle it, dude, I'm so much happier with the the mixes I've been producing using subgroups. So yeah, I'm 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 all over that for sure. And and uh, stage box wise, what are you running with it? I've got a uh, so it's kind of cool because I have, like I said, I have an SQ5 and I also have a um, HM64 processor, which you know, being primarily system tech, that's actually the thing that leaves the house the most. Um, I have an AR2412 stage box, which is exactly what it sounds like, 24 and 12 out. And I have another one, the AB168 or 168 mm -hmm. or whatever it is. So those can daisy chain, which is cool. So you, you can do 40 by 20 on an EtherCon line. Um, and oh, that's amazing. Both sides, it is. Both sides of a deck, right? Yeah, just like. 
Yeah, yeah, whatever. yeah. So I'll like drop one at the drums or whatever. But what I love is I can plug that combination into SQ5. I can plug that combination. My artist owns an SQ6. I can plug it into that. I can plug it into my HM64. Like, and it just talks. And so I don't love the idea of having different consoles and you have to then go and buy a different I.O. for each console. It just kind of sucks. Like the overhead of the investment sucks. So I'm really, yeah. really stoked on grabbing whatever I need for that particular show and grabbing however much I.O. I need and you just plug it in and it goes. And I think that's really, really awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. I don't have the fancy new, you know, I, th- that those are both the older generation of... Uh, of stage box, but I don't have any complaints about that. I mean, it's, it's, it does what I need. Um, so, you know, I, I ended up going with the GX 4816, um, just because, you know, I kind of want something standardized. I could leave stage side as well. Um, I'm still trying to work out how I'm probably going to run the flow of things. If I actually had to use it, I didn't really think that aspect of it (laughs) through too deeply, but at the end of the day, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I have all I need. Um, Especially the fact that it can all run through like a single ether ethercon cable that makes life pretty easy. So yes, <laughs> yeah, that's a solid that's a solid uh, box there. And you know, if I did, if I w- see, I mean, here's the thing. I I lucked out. I got it, and the the stage boxes I got were both used coming out of an install. Um, mm. So it, churches, let me tell you, a lot of churches upgraded over the last two years, and churches, their stuff generally sits there, and it's not getting moved around on trucks and slammed, and so it's generally in pretty good shape, right? And it, it's just it's it's oh, just yeah. a better it's a better used used purchase. So because of that, I I ended up getting my stage boxes used. But if I couldn't do that, yeah, I think I think just going with the the big boy would have been what I did. I, but, I saw you the know. best fifty six channel chassis heritage console ever come out of a church in phoenix holy cow oh it's beautiful look brand new <laughs> i've never seen one like that before you know the the the, do, the thing that i do like about the the box that you got um is that i believe i'd have to check but i believe you can set it up to be redundant with the extra snake cable and that's something that like I think so yeah like so coming up from a midas pro series for a long time like that's something that i always really loved about those desks and just the kind of the peace of mind knowing that if this cable goes down your show's not going to stop um is like one of my favorite things about the pro series desks and so you know i think in the future that's something that i i will still take out the the pro one to certain gigs if it is like absolutely essential that there's redundancy in place um mm-hmm. even if it's like you know i don't know like elected official or something like that where i need two inputs like right. that's a lot of console for two inputs but the the redundancy is is a big thing for me so um, that's something that, you know, in the future that I would definitely entertain making an investment of that, of that, uh, no, that peace of mind. And especially when you're dealing with like VAPs like that, the peace of mind is extremely important too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I had one show where, so my, my pro one, I run with a pair of 16 channel stage boxes. And so it's a four, it's four, uh, four ethernet cables that all run together basically. Um, to go to the one box, to go to the other box, so they're both redundant. And I remember seeing the status indicator on the backup channel kind of went out for a second and then came back a couple seconds later, and then it was fine for the rest of the show. But I remember thinking, like, thank God I'm running redundant because that could have been, you know, that could have been the show stopping. Yeah, and I think... Always run uh, redundant, even if it's just laying there, run redundant. And I I think what happened is, like something got too close to like some sort of RF DMX thing that was happening in monitor world. There mm-hmm. was like some lighting thing that was angry. Yeah, um, fucking light guys. <laughs> 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 Probably but, with a yeah. video cable. 
No, because I damn just, lampies. Yeah, so I have horrors of like if that like this is a show critical cable. So my thing now is like, all right, even if the console doesn't have a redundant like configuration, just run a second cable. You know, like yeah. Shout out to the dudes at Elite Core Audio. Um, my reps over there take such good care of me. They they make some awesome stuff. So I'm just like, hey, make me two, <laughs> make me two of everything. And so I just bring a second cable and I run the second cable. And so God forbid if something happens, just switch the cable. You know. Um, so at least you're yeah. going to get back up and running. Um, that's kind of, I don't know. I don't, I don't like living on the edge anymore. I'm getting too old. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day about uh, not only having that redundancy built in, but also like if you're going to have it there, that means you should trust it. So why aren't you running a show <laughs> or two a week on your backup network intentionally just to <clears throat> verify that everything's functioning as it should, which like whenever they said that, made me a little bit like queasy inside like ooh, i don't want to be running the show on my redundant like why do i want to be relying on that but like also if you're going to rely on it to be your backup you should trust it to be show critical too yep i i always kind of used to switch my x and y cables on on the minus desk all the time Mm -hmm. i did it you know just to check make sure all the computer sync and everything um you know always run redundant even if you're doing an install even if you work in a venue with it like just have one hanging there labeled on each side or something like when everyone's asking me about pulling wire through snake holes and through hallways and stuff i'm always like dude run an extra of everything just to Mm -hmm. make sure um well that's a great point and i just finished doing an install back in march and the venue was a venue where previously everything was exactly like you said, Kyle. It was just pulled through, you know, hundreds of feet through just concrete boreholes. And, yep. and they couldn't get to anything. And so they're yeah. like, if something goes wrong inside the wall, we're, we're fucked. And so one of the things that the, the client wanted was, yes, it's an install. Yes, it's going to be here for 10 years, but don't treat it like an install. They wanted us to sort of treat it more like a theater doing a sit down. Um, so it's semi-permanent. So it's all, you know, there's no like Phoenix stuff. There's no stuff that's kind of pulled through, you know, it's all just, everything's brought to the front of a rack and XLR so they can get into it, you know? And they're like, sometimes we have to move mix positions. Sometimes stage pockets. (laughs) Oh yeah, exactly. They didn't want, they, they have those in the walls and they're like, nope, we don't want, we don't want any of that. We want it. It's all like, you know, the rat sound cat fan outs. And so it's modular. If something breaks, they can swap a cable out. They can get in and out. Um, they do stuff a couple times a year where they're literally moving the PA points. Yeah. They're flying in a different height. So they were really clear about don't treat this like an install and treat it like a tour that you could load out tomorrow if you had to. And, and so um, it was kind of neat to design because I, I don't do a lot of install work. So I, I, you know, if they wanted a traditional install, I would have been like, I'm not the person to kind of work on this with you. But because of that mentality, I really was like, oh, this is cool. And I, I know so... I'm really happy with what we ended up with, but that is exactly what you said. Just that fear of if this cable that's buried through God knows how many feet of concrete has a failure, like shows home, shows over everybody go, <laughs> we can't, there's nothing yeah. we can do to fix it right now. So uh, wonder, that's I, stuff I'd like to avoid. I wonder how many of our touring guys are switching over to fiber networks too. Mm. Like if it's cause obviously at the end of the day, the mill spec ends and the connections are all that yeah. make it, you know? So yeah. Um, I don't know. I was doing a ton of like, uh, I forgot who I sent out with Toby Keith or something like that. We had some fiber out with and never had a problem with it. And then we had a problem with some other stuff. So I wonder how many people are out with fiber now. Uh, It's interesting to me, like this idea that like 
this won't fail. Like that's nonsense. Nothing doesn't fail ever. Like things fail. Stuff True. breaks. You know what I mean? And we've talked about that a little bit on the show in the past. Like I am not ever expecting any manufacturer to produce a product that will not fail. Um, my thing is, how is that going to be addressed when it happens? And so I've chosen to invest in equipment from companies that like someone picks up the phone within three rings and I'm talking to a human and they're going to help me. Um, that to me is just as important as like the feature set or the weight or, you know, any other thing about a console or a processor, like, you know, uh, Alan Heath people have been fantastic. The Symmetrics people have been fantastic. Like, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that I own is, is from companies that if I call you, you're going to answer and you're going to help me. And that, that's worth a lot to me, you know, like Kyle Turnside. I mean, you were, you're the kind of the life jacket for, for pro series for a long time dude i mean you got to be on the receiving end of that like hey i'm fucked can you help me you that know? job made me good at customer service that's what that job did yeah like hats off for people like teaching people how to fly a plane versus teaching people how to use a console i don't know i'm, I'm not risking my life <laughs> so it seems a lot more comfortable did, did you like you're getting these people calling up in just sheer panic though like you kind of enjoyed that, right? Like you liked that you were able to kind of help them out and get them get them going again. It's kind of like a Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse, man. You just got to cool off, this, <laughs> cool off the situation first. You got to cool off the situation. You're the fucking cooler. So you should I be. Mean, you could be a flight instructor then. Yeah, so you're, it, you're totally well, on board with it. And and you got to realize like how fast things need to go. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. When I first started there, there was this dude named Frank Frank Heinrich, and like we would be driving to lunch. And, and we'll have to talk about Vegas food here in a second, but yeah. our favorite place was uh, Zen Curry over in um, mm. the You've bottom You've mentioned down that there. place before, oh, actually. It's so good. That it's name. so yeah. addictive, it's amazing. man. Probably my favorite place, one of my favorite places in Vegas for sure. But he'd be on his Bluetooth yelling at people in traffic and giving <laughs> instructions how to fix, you know, reflash their CF card while he's doing it on the way to, to lunch. Like, and that kind of inspired me man like holy cow i had to know that console inside and out so mm. like yeah i mean there was panic moments and there was like nightly call or you know overnight calls or late or from a different country or whatever but it was just like about calming them down like yeah i, I don't know if that's like flying um i'd like to try it yeah. out i don't know it's uh Maybe if I was in control, I wouldn't worry about turbulence as much. You know what I mean? Mm. I think that's the problem with me with my turbulence is I have zero control. So if I'm flying the plane or driving the race mm -hmm. car, I think I'm fine. But if I'm the passenger, I don't know. I just well, shoot, maybe... we got to get you on a lesson, man. See? See, i got to get both of you guys yeah, on a lesson. Let's do it, man. I'm, I'm going to call Josh, you Josh, fly me down to <laughs> Vegas. Hey, October. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> See? I'll come down to Tulsa, and I'll fly from Tulsa to the Vegas. All right, sweet. Deal. And we should say we, we're gonna start we're gonna start pimping this. We're gonna be out, me and, and Kyle and Chris, we're gonna be down yes. at the Church Facilities Expo this September. Uh CFX trade show. It is in Dallas. Yes. Kyle Jensen has already promised to take us to the nearest Waffle House. We're gonna get Killer. down some waffles. I am uh -oh. down. So we are we are gonna be participating in the Pro Sound Web loudspeaker showcase. Uh I am the A one. Kyle and Chris are gonna be the MCs, they're gonna be introducing all the products and telling you about them and then it's kind of neat there's a bunch of different systems from a bunch of different manufacturers in the same room and you get to hear the same demo tracks play all around so it's it's a pretty cool time i've enjoyed it in the past kyle and i did one together a couple years ago actually yep it was fun um i i enjoy those things man the 
it used to be WFX and this other church sound expo that we used to do in um, St. Petersburg area, I think. Mm. No, we did one at Disney too. Man, but they are the best because people like really come in and listen. You know, mm-hmm. it's a chance for everyone to come in and listen and touch stuff. Yeah. And I don't know. They, they've always been awesome. I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Willis Snow is going to be out there. Hannah Goodine is going to be out there. So what? we're going to see We're gonna see our, our fam. Uh, I just found out yesterday that Alan Heath is the console sponsor. So I'm going to have a, probably a, hopefully an Avantis out there to play Those with. Those guys. So, uh, yeah. Woo! So maybe we'll see if we can get Holly to come out. So so come on out to CFX and come see us and come hang Bring with us. Bring my t-shirt. Come, yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> so before we wrap up, uh, Kyle, hit off the food thing, man. Let's do it. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to do both Josh and now because I think both of them will give us a nice blend of Midwest and um, <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> so, Josh, we're coming to eat in Tulsa. Where are you taking us? Uh, knowing you specifically, we're going to Tacos Don Francisco. Oh, it's on, yeah. uh, what, like yes, 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 11th yes. between Harvard and Yale. And let me tell you. You know, whenever you walk in and there's an abuelita at the counter ready to take your order, that it's about to be fire. And they're like, I mean, they've got the tortillas going right behind her. Yes. The grill's wide open. It's, yeah. Fresh tortillas, like, is mm-hmm. kind of like the set it off. That is for sure the or set it off. When they give you the uh, the fresh salsa that they, like, just made 10 minutes ago in the, in the, the <sighs> basket of chips, that shit is so good, man. Mm. Absolutely. And the best part is they, uh, they're right by a college, and uh, they know their audience. So they're open until, like, 4 a.m. on the weekends. Oh, yeah. I love it. All right. Sweet. Okay, Niall, we're coming down to Vegas. Where are we eating? Oof. All right, <laughs> you better like Thai food because I love my Thai. Um, so there's actually a restaurant which is also right next to a college uh, called Chow Thai Restaurant right across the street. Um, spent probably I don't know there were like times where I would, like get lunch there every single day for like a solid week when I was in school. So um, yeah, Chow Thai, Chow Thai, they make the most amazing pad see you ever. It's a favorite. I, I could spend a week eating in Vegas. <laughs> like you pick one day i'll pick the next and we'll just go back and forth like all day all right well if we're if i'm down there for aes in october uh let's do it man let's let's i want that you know that chicken with the cashew sauce that shit is so fucking good that's i gotta find a place that makes that hmm chicken with cashew sauce uh, i can't think of springfield that, missouri called. home yeah, of right. cashew chicken okay <laughs> I've had it at Thai places though. I don't know what it's called or but I, I don't know. Yeah, me neither. I can't yeah. think of it. Yeah. Um It was I don't remember where. Uh I wanna say maybe San Francisco, but it was so good, so I'm I'm down with that. That that's one thing about Vegas. I mean we kinda have everything here. We're kinda built to. We have shows, plenty of all sorts of entertainment. We got, you know we got food, got flying if you're into that. Uh <laughs> <laughs> lots of hiking. Got a lake here. You can go boating. You know, got everything. So, yeah, right. we real beautiful place. Four wheel drive stuff back to the things. Like we used to go over the mountains, and man, it is pretty living there. I can't say I miss it though. Uh, I remember. Yeah, Kyle, the heat's you, Yeah, I remember you were down there. You were texting me. Your air conditioner went out one time, <laughs> and you were ready to die. <laughs> All right. So, death. Chris isn't real. Chris isn't here tonight. Um, Josh, you've been a worthy stand-in. Thank you. Well, thank you very uh, much. You, the, the, you, you really brought it with the beard. We dig it. Um, That's what I'm here for. Chris, if he were here, would ask the following question. Nio, how would you, if you could define your legacy, 
or or how you would be remembered how would you want to be remembered how would you want to define your legacy hmm. context legacy as a professional or legacy as a person it's up to you i would say uh universally professionally um i like being kind i like being helpful i like being friendly and i like solving problems so i really think um especially from sound monitor engineering even any sort of sound engineering it's very much a customer service industry in my mindset um i actually learned that too from a guy named michael Kerkab, in case you know him kyle um he kind of told me that it's always stuck with me so Mm. that's how i see it i'd like to really have that be my legacy sweet i dig it it's it's funny like yeah everybody answers that question differently but they all have the same theme which is just like you know i I think that's really cool josh i'll let you throw in man how would you define your legacy yeah i mean kind of in the same vein just like you know when people look back i want them to say that like you know personally or professionally like being around me made their lives easier if it was problem solving or just you know a good hang or whatever that uh you know i like that's kind of the whole the whole gig of you know, working backstage and working in the shadows on these shows is you're not doing it so people can clap for you. You're, you're doing it so that the artist and the, the crew in the show can get, you know, the story they want to tell out to the stage every night and convey it to an audience. Sweet. I dig it. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, for chatting with us. It's been fun. I'm really excited to go back to Vegas now. It's been too long. And you guys you guys uh, got me got me excited for it. So. I got to get you up in the air when you come out yeah, in October. Yeah, dude. I'm, uh, <laughs> you first. That would be you so first, Michael. Cool. All right. Take we'll, we'll, we'll do it. So it was funny because when I, <laughs> I was like, hey, man, you should come on the show. And you're like, hey, let me get back to you. And you sent a picture and you were like in the plane. Like he was texting me from yep. a plane. Yo, that's awesome. <laughs> so- <laughs> I was I was actively teaching. Okay. Oh, well, not actively. Passive um, passively. <laughs> on, <laughs> on that flight out, I have probably a good five minutes where I can do things wow. like that. So, And yeah. no one has ever texted me from a, like, well, they were flying and playing before. It's the first person to do that. <laughs> and yeah, I'm looking forward to a very calm, cool, and collected flight lesson. It'll be cool. Niall, thank you so much, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs>